From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks for tuning in and making us part of your day. Well, coming up, and as Israeli defense forces move into Gaza, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said earlier today that the calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, and that just isn't going to happen. Calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to barbarism. That will not happen. This declaration from the Israeli prime minister came after a weekend of rage around the globe toward the Jewish people, preceded by the failure of the United Nations to muster the courage to denounce Hamas. On Friday, despite the documented atrocities perpetrated by Hamas, the United Nations General Assembly failed to approve a resolution denouncing the terrorist organization. Fifty-five countries voted against the resolution and 23 yellow countries abstained. We'll talk with the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry, in just a moment. Also, the House of Representatives just released a measure providing emergency funding to Israel by taking the money from the additional dollars given to the IRS in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. And uh, members of the Senate are also wanting to separate the funding for Israel from the 60-plus billion dollars that President Biden is requesting for Ukraine which is on top of the over $75 billion the U.S. has already sent to them. We cannot support a three-pronged conflict in the war. We don't make enough weapons. Our manufacturing capacity is too weak. We need to pick and choose. To pick and choose, Congress has, needs to have a real debate, not collapse these packages together and pretend we can do everything at once. We can't. That was Ohio Senator J.D. Vance this weekend pointing out we don't have the ability to supply every conflict. We're going to talk with Missouri Congressman Mark Alford, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. He'll also tell us about a measure that he has joined with Ted, Senator Ted Budd of North Carolina to address the persecution of Christians in China, in part by holding the perpetrators there in China accountable. We're going to talk about that. Sponsylvania School Superintendent Mark Taylor joins us with an update on the ongoing and I would add successful initiative to protect children from pornographic books in public schools. And we're also going to talk about why it matters. And the left's hatred for genuine biblical faith has been laid bare by the elevation of Mike Johnson to Speaker of the House. This guy is a religious nut. And by that, I mean, he subscribes to all of the extreme Christian nationalist views. <clears throat> that was uh, Washington Post columnist and MSNBC contributor, Jen Rubin. But there's more, much more. And Dr. Al Mohler joins me later as we discuss the left's visceral, visceral reaction to Mike Johnson's statement that he has a biblical worldview. We'll also discuss how Bible-believing Christians should respond to the growing hostility to the Jewish community. All of that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from the book of Philemon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
you know, a reoccurring message in Paul's letters is his acknowledgement that he is praying for those he is writing to. And I don't believe it was an empty greeting or a throwaway line. I'm praying for you. Those words genuinely spoken are words of great encouragement. When we say those words, we must follow through. Our prayers for others must be intentional, focused, and frequent, which makes for an effective prayer. And as James writes, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I invite you to join me each morning for a short devotion based upon our daily reading. You can join me at TonyPerkins.com. Today marked the fourth day of the Israeli military's sustained ground operation into Gaza. In Washington, support for Israel remains a top priority. Just about 30 minutes ago, House Republicans released a measure that will provide $14.3 billion to Israel. The emergency spending would be offset by money allocated to the IRS, but not spent under the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Join me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Scott Perry. He serves on three House committees, including the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He is also the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus and has three decades of military experience. He retired as a general, and he represents the 10th Congressional District of Pennsylvania. Congressman Perry, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, it's great to be with you, Tony, and it's also great to hear what the speaker put out today that we're going to we're going to get rid of some terrorists and to do that we're going to get rid of some unnecessary IRS agents. I think that's a trade that I'm willing to make every single day of the week and especially support of our strongest ally Israel while they're under this unprovoked attack from Hamas and other like-minded terrorists. Uh, and so I think this is a good day for America. This is a good message to send and I look to see the debate and and how those who will not defend such action will be standing on the side of the IRS agents and apparently the terrorists. Well, let's talk about that because the Biden administration, the White House wanting to push the $105 billion, combining it with uh, the 60 plus billion for Ukraine, some humanitarian funds, um, all of that crammed together with this 14.3 for Israel. It's, it's clearly because they were having difficulty selling the additional funds for Ukraine. Yeah, they're having difficulty selling funds for Ukraine. There's no oversight there. We spent billions of dollars there. No one knows where it's gone. And of course, we don't know what the mission is. And so they're trying to throw the existential threat that Israel is facing right now. And on top of that, as well as more border money, Tony, let's not forget that. And it's not to stop people from coming across the border illegally, including people that may be part of Hamas or Hezbollah. It's to process them more efficiently. So they threw that all in there. Tony, as you know, America is sick of these packages. They want to see these things separated. They want to know how their members vote on it. They don't want the old excuse, well, I had to vote for the Ukraine funding because it was important that we take care of our ally Israel, and that was all in one package, and I didn't have any choice. We need to give the American people and members of Congress and Senate the choice by doing them on a standalone basis, and let's see where the votes fall. Let's let each one of these very important issues have their own debate, and let's let the points be made. So, so Congressman Perry, walk us through how you see this unfolding, because uh, this is going to be a pretty intense battle. It's going to be the first real battle for the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, in holding the ground against not just the White House, 
uh, not just Chuck Schumer in the Senate, but there are some Republicans in the Senate pushing for the same thing that President Biden is. Well, with all due respect, I have my faith in, in the good Lord first and Mike Johnson in this regard second. And as you describe some of those Republicans and you describe them as other than the same as the White House or the Democrats in the Senate, I see them in this case as very much the same. They need to be uh, they need to put their votes on record. And if they want to support Ukraine and not have uh, and have an open border in the United States of America, let's let them make let's allow them to make that case. But like I said, the American people want these things to be separated. They want to see how their representatives and senators vote. And of course, this is why some of the senators don't want that. They like to hide under the cloak of darkness, under the cloak of, oh, it's all mixed together. And, uh, you know, we had to vote for one to get the other. We didn't really like this, but we had to do it to get that. Americans are sick of that shell game in Washington, D.C., and they've been playing it for decades now. We have a new speaker. It's a new day. We're going to do things differently. Welcome to it, everybody. Welcome to it, America. And welcome to it, Joe Biden and Democrats and progressive Republicans in the Senate as well. And I would add to that, as a result of that way of doing business, we have $33 trillion in debt. That's how you get Indeed. there. Indeed, yes. I want to go, you're on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. I want to go to what we've seen over the weekend with this uh, rise of uh, hatred towards Jewish people. We're yeah. seeing the anti-Semitism here in the United States as well as around the globe. But But I want to go to Friday to the United Nations where the United Nations General Assembly failed to reach a, the two-thirds threshold to simply pass a resolution denouncing Hamas. Now, we provide 30 percent of the funding for the United Nations or more. How do we explain this to the American people? As you were just talking about, they want, they want us to do business that makes sense. This doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. And the United Nations has long been a shill for the anti-Israeli, the anti-Semitic sentiment around the globe, which is why as long advocated, I have long advocated for either reducing our participation or getting out altogether. Now, there'll be people that say, well, we need to be there to influence the conversation, to influence the votes. But when you can't get common sense votes like this, I'm not sure our influence is very valuable. Meanwhile, uh, this is just a long, just a one of many in a long list of anti-Semitic actions by the United Nations because it's used as a proxy for all these anti-Semitic organizations and countries around the globe. We ought to recognize it as such and either force them to get their act together or kick them out of New York City and get out altogether and recognize them for what they are, a feckless and worthless organization that hasn't stopped one war that hasn't been on the side of, of freedom and democratic values, that haven't been on the side of certainly biblical values, and haven't been on the side of the money that the American taxpayer, the hard-earned money, is sent to them to use. Right. And I think it's high time that we acknowledge that. If not now, when are we going to? I mean, we are giving them money to work against our national yes. priorities. I, I, I want to, before we run out of time, uh, Congressman Perry, I, I want to go to an issue that was raised by Senator Vance over the weekend, and, and others have talked about it, and, and that's the fact that we now have two hot wars going on, and our military-industrial complex is having a hard time keeping up. Are you concerned about the depletion of 
uh, ammunitions, that uh, munitions yes, that I would have. be used to fight these wars. I have been concerned for some time, and of course, of course I'm most concerned as a former uh, member of the Uniformed Services myself when I hear reports that our own members in the United States of America wearing the uniform of the United States of America don't have the appropriate or, or adequate uh, supplies to do their own training, inc including munitions. So while I say we want to help our friends and our allies, Israel or otherwise, we need to make sure that we're proficient and we have everything we need. And Tony, as you know, we need to make sure we can afford it. And while leftists from both sides of the aisle in Congress have been happy to spend money on all kinds of things at untold expense, uh, $2.5 trillion in deficit this year, $33 trillion overall and climbing, they have been unwilling to make the hard choices when it comes to our military and our prioritization. It is high time they do that, and this is a clarion call. Uh, this is the, the warning sign that we are not making the right uh, prioritization of, of our assets and our spending, and we need, to, we need to keep that in order in a very dangerous world especially as this administration has us on the precipice of World War III on at least two fronts now. And this is going to be the perfect opportunity with this $14.3 billion exactly right. for Israel being offset by money coming back from the IRS. This will be a true test. Senate uh, Congressman, great to see you. Thanks so much, uh, Chairman of the Freedom Caucus, for joining us. Scott Perry. Thanks. Thank you, Tony, and God bless you and your audience. All right. Uh, Congressman Scott Perry of uh, Pennsylvania, chairman of the Freedom Caucus. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. We're also going to be looking at uh, religious persecution in China. How can we hold those folks accountable? Congressman Mark Alford joins us next. Look away. Everything we do begins as an idea. Before there can be acts of courage, there must be the belief that some things are worth sacrificing for. Before there can be marriage, there is the idea that man should not be alone. Before there was freedom, there was the idea that individuals are created equal. It's true that all ideas have consequences, but we're less aware that all consequences are the fruit of ideas. Before there was murder, there was hate. Before there was a holocaust, there was the belief by some people that other people are undesirable. Our beliefs determine our behavior, and our beliefs about life's biggest questions determine our worldview. Where did I come from? Who decides what is right and wrong? What happens when I die? Our answers to these questions explain why people see the world so differently. 
debates about abortion are really disagreements about where life gets its value. Debates over sexuality and gender and marriage are really disagreements about whether the rules are made by us or for us. What we think of as political debates are often much more than that. They're disagreements about the purpose of our lives and the source of truth. As Christians, our goal must be to think biblically about everything. Our goal is to help you see beyond red and blue, left and right, to see the battle of ideas at the root of it all. Our goal is to equip Christians with a biblical worldview and help them advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square. Cultural renewal doesn't begin with campaigns and elections. It begins with individuals turning from lies to truth. But that won't happen if people can't recognize a lie and don't believe truth exists. We want to help you see the spiritual war behind the political war, the truth claims behind the press release, and the forest from the trees. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. So uh, be sure and uh, check it out. All right, as we were talking about uh, Israel moving into Gaza and uh, that, of course, creating backlash from the uh, sympathizers of the, the Palestinians in the United Nations and around the world. Joining me now to talk more about this, Congressman Mark Alford of Missouri. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee and uh, is uh, also vying to take the spot of uh, Mike Johnson as the vice chair of the Republican Conference. Uh, Congressman Alford, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Good to see you, Tony. So let's talk about, uh, we were just talking with uh, the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Scott Perry, uh, about mm -hmm. the, the, this growing hostility toward the Jewish state and to the Jewish people around the globe. I mean, this should tell us something about the spiritual nature of this battle that is uh, raging. Tony, it is a battle between good and evil. It is a battle between God Almighty and Satan. Um, I, you know, when this happened three weeks ago, uh, that the Hamas terrorists, the butchers, invaded Israel and slaughtered Jews, uh, I thought that was horrific. It was gut-wrenching. It was... Uh, it was a, a moment in our world history that will not soon be forgotten, nor should it. But now that that has come out and this underbelly of anti-Semitism is being revealed to us in such a crass, condemning, ugly manner, I am sick to my stomach. I, I had no I, I knew there was anti-Semitism in the world. I had no idea that it had been so deeply dug into our systems of education into all segments of our society. I think it's an education. It is a wake-up call to us all to realize that this type of hate has no place in our society, and we must root it out. It must be rooted out and dealt with. You know, Congressman, uh, in, during my time during the Trump administration on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, we saw primarily we were tracking it in Western Europe where we saw the rise of anti-Semitism. Of course, our, our mission was to look internationally, not domestically, although we have seen evidence of this on college campuses here in the United States. And, and one of the big concerns, I mean, in and of itself, it's a concern, 
but uh, in the, uh, the the hearings that we heard from uh, some of the experts on the topic, they pointed to the fact that this is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to mm. religious hostility. And this is something that needs to be addressed in and of itself, but also it should, alarm bells should be going off. Now, you're addressing this from a standpoint, uh, you just introduced legislation dealing with China. Now, we've known that China is an abuser of religious minorities, but they're getting by. Uh, with it. You know, the United States, under this administration, not holding them accountable. Tell us about it. Well, that's so true. You know that uh, there are 96.7 million Christians in China. That makes up about 7% of their population. And every day, home churches are being raided, Bibles are being seized, people are being put behind bars for their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not just Christians. The Muslim Uyghurs, more than a million uh, are now in basically camps uh, because they are practicing the Muslim faith and the Chinese do not want them uh, to do that. They do like anything other than really worship of the Communist Party. And so that's why Senator Budd on the Senate side and I on the House side have introduced legislation to put heavy sanctions on those leading the Chinese Communist government, sanctions that will have some impact on them economically to make sure that they know that we ne they need to have freedom of religion in communist China so that everyone should be able to practice their their faith and I believe the faith in Jesus Christ they are intimidated that because faith in Jesus Christ promotes a couple of things I think it promotes democracy it promotes capitalism it 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 really promotes uh, not just a worship of uh, God and our savior but um, a promotion of the individual, the spirit that God has breathed mm -hmm. into us, that we use each day to be creators of our own, to create commerce, to create goodwill, and to create uh, lifting everyone else up. And the Chinese don't want that. So, so Congressman, let's, let's explain this for just a second to our viewers and listeners what these sanctions mean, because we hear a lot about that. But I know mm -hmm. during the Trump administration, those were used very effectively because people don't realize that unlike... You know, I, I've been sanctioned by China, but I'm not going to China. Uh, but those in the Chinese uh, Communist Party want to come here. They want to send their kids here to school. They want to come exactly. here and shop. They want a vacation here. So these sanctions have real teeth. Explain that. Explain that. They really do. And by the way, I'm on that list as well. I am prohibited from going to China. I don't want to go to China. That's, that's good enough for me. But yes, uh, we have right here in Kansas City, uh, at uh, one of the universities here in the southern part of Kansas City, many, many Chinese students. Listen, you don't get to a university in the United States of America unless you know someone or you're part of the family uh, that is uh, revered by the Chinese Communist government and has checked off all the marks and doing everything correctly. Yes, they send their kids here. Uh, out at the University of Central Missouri, we have a large continuum of Chinese nationals as well, uh, not too far from Whiteman Air Force Base, home of the B-2 stealth bomber. My point is, we can put some teeth in this. We can get the attention of the Chinese Communist government and those members who are enjoying the what we have here, the capitalism that we built, this wonderful country that we have, and I think they're jealous of. We can say, hey, you cannot partake of this because you are putting... Um, uh, Christians and Muslims in a difficult way in persecuting them. That's got to end. Yeah, I, I, Congressman, I always found it very fascinating that those that try to restrict freedom, the religious freedom of others, want to come to this country and enjoy the fruit 
of that freedom by being able to move about freely in this country and enjoy the fruits of freedom. It's, uh, it's quite telling. Congressman, uh, great to have you on the program. Thanks so, so much for joining us. One final question for you. What's for dinner? Yes. Uh, Leslie has cooked up some wonderful chicken and rice uh, soup that we're going to have. It's going to be about 24 degrees here in the South Kansas City area, and uh, the leaves are changing, and it's it's time to get to work. Time to get back to Washington, get these appropriation bills passed, and aid for Israel. We're going to do that starting tomorrow. All right, uh, Congressman Mark Alford. Alford? Alford? I'll get it out. Always great to see you. <laughs> All right. Good seeing you, brother. All right. Uh, Mark Alford from Missouri having uh, chicken and rice for dinner. That's good. I said that because he was uh, shooting from the kitchen there in uh, his home. All right, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to get an update on what's happening in uh, one school district in Virginia where they're protecting kids from pornographic material. That's next. Don't go away. All of us are born with the desire to find truth and meaning. Where did I come from? What happens when I die? While our answers to these questions may divide us, we are united in our need for the freedom to answer life's biggest questions and make life's biggest decisions for ourselves. That's why religious freedom matters for everyone. Religious freedom matters because the powerful have long wanted to control those who are less powerful. Religious freedom matters because the freedom of those who are different is often threatened by those who believe different is dangerous. Leah Sherabu, a Christian teenager in Nigeria, remains a captive of Boko Haram for her refusal to renounce her Christian faith. Chinese pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year sentence for speaking publicly against the Chinese government. In Pakistan, Asif Purvez is on death row for allegedly sending a blasphemous text message. All of this because people in power decided different is dangerous. At the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council, we promote religious freedom for everyone because the only alternative is religious freedom for no one. We encourage Americans and the American government to engage and advocate for the persecuted, and they do. We work every day to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. We do it because that's what Jesus does. We work to give freedom to others because we ourselves have been set free. Just a reminder, if you have not yet weighed in with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, they have proposed a new rule, and uh, the comment period ends November the 1st, so that's uh, Wednesday, all right? And what this uh, rule would do is it essentially would um, make it uh, workplace harassment if you use the wrong pronoun or if you, uh, as an employer, do not provide the opportunity for people to use the bathroom of their choice rather than the one that meets their biological gender and sex. Uh, so you, if you haven't weighed in, you need to, because this can be stopped. This nonsense can be stopped, but you've got to weigh in. 
as I've said before, our republic was made not for spectators, but participants. Let the left, which they don't, but let them be spectators. Let's be participants. Text the word speech to 67742. The word speech to 67742. And it'll come up, uh, you'll get a link, you can go fill out uh, a comment, or you can go to frcaction.org slash free speech, or just text speech to 67742. This month, this month, uh, Spotsylvania County Public Schools in Fredericksburg, Virginia, announced it continues to remove books from its district libraries that contain inappropriate or sexually explicit material. Now, this is all part of an effort to increase focus on, guess what, educating students with critical skills and not indoctrinating them with obscene materials and sexual propaganda of the left. Joining me now to discuss this is the Spotsylvania County Public School Superintendent, Mark Taylor. Mark, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, it's great to be with you again. Thank you so much. So you've continued taking a stand to protect children from inappropriate materials. Now, what does it say about our society that the debate has shift, shifted from promoting solid academics to pushing this material on children? Well, that, that's, that's the most troubling part to me, Tony, is that there's a lot of talk in public education right now about uh, implementing Virginia's Literacy Act, about wanting to improve uh, standards of learning and standardized test scores, and we're doing that in Spotsylvania County. But also, in among those priorities, uh, is a debate really about parental rights and parental involvement in public education. In Spotsylvania, we are following the directives of Governor Glenn Youngkin, and we are working hard to maximize parental engagement, parental involvement. We provide an avenue for parents to opt in or opt out of the availability of sexually explicit materials for their children. And we're actively reviewing um, challenges of instructional materials, including library books. And I've recently removed 23 more books now for a total of 37 removed books uh, from our books removed from our public school libraries. Now, we have. 390,000 volumes. So this is, there are plenty of books to be read. The books that I've removed, to the best of my knowledge, are all still available in the public libraries. So this is in no way a ban. The books are available in the community. They're available online. They're available from a variety of sources. We're simply trying to, number one, follow the governor's directives in implementing policy for our school division. Number two, to create what I hope will be a safe space for children to learn the basics of uh, English and uh, literacy and mathematics and the other subjects that are essential to their preparation for a, a positive and beautiful future that we want them to have, um, sexually explicit material, which is essentially pornography and uh, doesn't need to be a part of that. And in fact, some of it is is shocking scenes of uh, violent rape or descriptions of forced bestiality, sex with animals. I mean, th th this shouldn't, uh, this, it, it, quite frankly, 
experience. I mean, quite frankly, this stuff doesn't even need to be printed. But, I mean, we live in a free society. You can. But we don't have to use tax dollars to put it in our public schools where kids are captive and they can they can get it off of, of live, off the, the shelves or it, it'd be pushed in the classrooms. I, I want to ask you a question, Mark, before we run out of time. And we see this across the country. Why are educators so hostile to parents and their concerns about what their children are being exposed to? Tony, I think that what has been enculturated over many years of time is the notion that the professional educators are uh, specialists in the field with uh, exemplary competencies and they are best positioned to help the students forward. And, and professional educators are certainly highly trained and very talented people, but at the end of the day, I think it's also true that no one knows the child like the parent knows the child. And for public education to be successful, there really needs to be an effective collaboration, a solid partnership, close connection between parents and public school educators working together to prepare students for their very best future. We all want the same right. outcome. We want the best for the kids. Let's work together for it instead of pulling in opposite well, directions. My financial planner knows money better than I do, knows the markets better than I do, but it's my money. It's my future. I ought to be able to call the shots. They shouldn't tell me what to do. I take their advice, and I take it or leave it. Uh, Mark, before we leave, how can our listeners and viewers be praying for you and your team? Very quickly. Pray for the upcoming election. Virginia is a purple state. Next week, local seats are up, including seats on our Board of Supervisors uh, that appropriates money to the school division and seats on our school board. And this purple state is going to become more blue or it's going to become more red. These issues will continue to be debated, and our success or failure depends in part on support from the from the uh, community and from the voters. Elections have consequences. Folks, it's a great opportunity to use the iVoter Guide. So make sure if you live in Virginia, you turn out to vote. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you. Keep up the good work. Thank you, John. Great to see you, sir. All right, folks, stick with us. Dr. Al Moeller joins us after the break right here on Washington Watch. The world is hurting, streets are filled with crime, families are broken, sin is celebrated, and God is mocked. Everywhere we look, the wages of our sin are on full display. As Christians, we know that surrender to God's will is the solution to our biggest problems, but not everyone agrees. Even in church, we hear people say the most important thing is to be tolerant, that we shouldn't impose a morality on other people, and that loving our neighbor means celebrating what they do. But you can't do that. It's not that you don't love your neighbor, you do, but you care about God's opinion more than your neighbor's opinion, and this makes you different. In fact, sometimes it makes you feel alone, like you are the only one. But there is good news. You are not alone, not even close. Research has found that there are 59 million American adults who are a lot like you. There are millions of people around the country who are born again, deeply committed to practicing their faith, and believe the Bible is the reliable word of God. But that's not all. They're also engaged in our government. They're voters. They're more likely to be involved in their community, and they're making a difference in elections. The problem is that a lot of them feel alone too. We want to change that. FRC wants to connect these 59 million Americans to speak the truth together, no matter the cost. If you want to learn more about this group and what it means to be a spiritually active, governance-engaged conservative, or if you want to find out if you are one of these sage cons yourself, 
go to frc.org sagecon and take the quiz to find out. The world is hurting and we have the solution. We can't do it alone, but we can do it if we work together. That's what we're working toward every day. Join us. Go to frc.org slash S-A-G-E-C-O-N, SageCon, to learn more. That's S-A-G-E-C-O-N, SageCon, to learn more. I'm often asked by people, Tony, how do you stay encouraged? How do you deal with all of the stuff in Washington, D.C., the negative policies that are attacking our faith, our family, and our freedoms? Well, you want me to let you in on the secret? It's called the Word of God. And that is why the Family Research Council embarked on Stand on the Word, a two-year journey through the Bible. It's a chronological Bible reading plan with just 10 to 15 minutes a day. In two years, you will have covered the entire Bible. And to go along with this, Monday through Friday, I do a morning devotional that goes along with the reading of the day. It's all designed to encourage you on this journey because the Word of God, as the psalmist said, in my affliction, here's my comfort, your Word gives me life. That is our source of strength. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible. And I invite you to join me every morning for our Stand on the Word Bible devotion. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Senator Kevin Kramer. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you to FRC and, and their staff for, for doing two things that I think are so important in representative uh, government. Uh, one is as I like to say, is that you hold us accountable. But what's more important is that you're an extension of your representative government. You are an extension of those of us who, who, who take the pledge and, and pledge our allegiance to our country and to our Constitution, um, but lean heavily on, on you and, and what you provide. So keep up the great work. We need you. That was Senator Kevin Kramer, one of our many friends on Capitol Hill, working with us to defend and advance faith, family, and freedom. And boy, do we need them. Well, the United Nations General Assembly, as we talked about earlier today in the program on Friday, rejected a resolution to condemn Hamas for their brutal and murderous attacks on Israeli civilians. And that speaks volumes regarding the persistence of anti-Semitism worldwide. Now, this could be seen throughout uh, last weekend. Over the weekend, as anti-Israel protests erupted worldwide, including in many U.S. cities, uh, brim brimming with anti-Semitic rhetoric and threats of violence against Jews. Now, as Christians, how should we think about the war in Israel, the hostility, the growing hostility toward the Jewish people? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the author of many books, including Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, The Explosive Power of Jesus' Parables. Dr. Mohler, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Thank you, Tony. It's always good to be with you. Plenty to talk about, huh? There is. There's two topics I want to zero in on. One, I want to talk about uh, Israel, the, this growing hatred for the Jewish people. And then I want to talk about a related topic, the hostility we're seeing toward my friend Mike Johnson uh, as a result yeah. of him simply saying, I have a biblical worldview. And so let's take, uh, let's take the oldest hostility first. Let's go to uh, th this growing evidence of anti-Semitism anti in, in our country and around yeah. the globe. And what's at the heart of this? 
Yeah, you know, Tony, it's always good to be with you. And I think about this, I, I have to ask myself, is this a growing anti-Semitism or is it an increasingly revealed anti-Semitism? Because yes. I think uh, I think it's been there for a lo very long time. In fact, I think it's, uh, it's as old as the Old Testament. But I think especially uh, the surprising thing right now, and it, it's, it's surprising especially to the media class, and it's surprising, frankly, to a lot of the American Jewish community, is that the anti-Semitism that is so evident right now is coming from the progressive left. And it, it, it's, not, it's not something that was just thought of yesterday or October the 7th. Uh, what they now understand is what some of them are now voicing, saying we had no idea that uh, our fellow uh, figures on the left uh, were driven by so much anti-Semitism. But now they know America's college campuses, the more elite the campus, uh, the more likely they are to support uh, Hamas. Uh, and oppose Israel. So I, I, I always love having you on the program because we can talk about things that make the mm. the left go crazy. So I, 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 I th let me throw this out here as a proposition. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's not new. And I don't even think it, I think you're absolutely right. It's not growing. We've been tracking this when I was, I mentioned this earlier in the program when I was chairman of the USERF <laughs> Commission. We were tracking this, looking at it in Western Europe. I, I, yeah. I think what it is, is it is the lack of restraint by the withdrawal of the Christian worldview and that as as yeah. Christianity recedes, the hostility advances and that historic target has been the Jewish people. Well, I'm absolutely you're right. I'm absolutely certain you're right. You know, as you think about America's college campuses, the vast majority of which were, you know, you go back, at, you know, to their founding, they were explicitly Christian. You go back uh, to, say, the halfway point in their history, they're still at least held by a Christian conscience, and now that's completely gone. So I'm sure you're right about that. But I think uh, we also have to recognize that in the place that Christianity once filled, you now have critical theory, cultural Marxism. And look, those, uh, and by the way, intersecting with, uh, with identity politics. And, and so now you've got this, uh, you know, settler colonialism ideology that is used by the left against Israel. And by the way, against the United States as well. And it's all of one piece. This is, you know, when Christianity is no longer there, nature of horse a vacuum, so does intellectual space. It's, it's filled with something else. And I, I think even some people on the kind of near left are surprised by the poison, the venom they're now hearing uh, from the progressive left. You know, you, you talk about identity politics, and I was trying to pull up an article that uh, appeared, I think it was last weekend, where I think it was in the UK, and I don't have the article in front of me, so I'm going off of memory, where there was a pro-Palestinian uh, demonstration, and in the midst of it was yeah. a transgender uh, Palestinian flag, and the Palest pro-Palestinians turned on the, the, the LGBTQ because... I, th I saw that and I said, you know what, they have successfully used identity politics to propel them forward. And once they get finished with those useful idiots, they will kill them. I mean, that's essentially where they're going. You know, and that's not like it's a surprise, right? I mean, that's what the Marxists told us, you know, in the early 20th century. It's a revolutionary vanguard. And eventually there will be a more revolutionary than thou vanguard. And, you know, the weird thing in all of this is the identity politics includes Islam, because I think that's what you're pointing to. Yes, right. You know, is, Islam, is, Islam is hardly a, a, at home in the progressive left. Uh, to the contrary, uh, what Hamas is fighting for is an absolute theocracy uh, that means genocide for the Jews and means eventually 
uh, the conquest of the rest but, of the world. But they played the left by using the left's identity politics, like here in the United States, mm -hmm. to advance their calls until they get to a point that they don't need them anymore. But that's the way the left works. So, and, and you're right to point to intersectionality. And see, the, the, the thing with this is, is that, you know, say you were a radical liberal in the 60s. Well, you're now an oppressive homophobe. And, and then say you were a liberation theologian in the 1970s. Well, now you are just a part of the white settler establishment. Let's say you got tenure in the English department at the University of Chicago 30 years ago. Well, you're being brought up by your students for hate crimes now, and, and, and because you're now a trans-exclusionary radical feminist who doesn't accept the transgender identity. Uh, the left is continually writing on these, uh, these issues, and, uh, you know, the, it's toxic, and it eventually turns on them. So let's now pivot to, because there is a connection here when we look at this hostility that we're seeing toward Mike Johnson, a Louisiana yep, congressman yep. who I've known since he was in, in law school, worked with him on a number of things. He's a solid mm -hmm. Bible-believing Christian. I want to play a couple of clips. Um, I, I want to play first. This clip is uh, clip number 13. This is uh, Jen Rubin. She is a, uh, a, a columnist with the Washington Post and a contributor to MSNBC. This guy is a religious nut, and by that I mean he subscribes to all of the extreme Christian nationalist views. All right, so I, just hold that for a moment, because I want to go to Jen Psaki, who was the former sec press secretary for the White House, uh, over the weekend. And, and this, uh, you're going to see a clip inside this clip, and this is from Mike's interview with Sean Hannity last week, clip 14. He gave us all a little clue as to how he would govern in an interview this week. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's a curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. You heard that right. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. All right, I'm setting you up for a spike. Go right ahead. Yeah. Well, my goodness, welcome to being an extremist uh, nationalist uh, ideologue who uh, believes in the Bible and believes that our worldview should be shaped from the Bible. Evidently, we're the scariest people on planet Earth. And evidently, people like Jen Psaki and Jennifer Rubin thought we were rare. They thought we had been sidelined. And now, all of a sudden, showing up with the gavel of the Speaker of the House of Representatives is Mike Johnson. And look, they are in absolute panic. You know, Tony, you know that. They're in absolute panic. And, and number one, they really didn't know who he was. Now they're finding out, and they're saying, how could this happen? Yeah. Well, you're from Louisiana. You know exactly how it happened. Well, and they should have listened to this program. He used to co-host. <laughs> he used to uh, guest host for me here on Washington. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but this, it reminds me, a number of years ago, I was uh, in New York uh, with one of those reporters. Uh, I, I forget, yeah. Washington Post. I don't remember which one it was. But they, they asked, I made a comment about baptizing one of my children. And, and they were, this was actually the religion reporter. And they yeah. said, what does that mean? And, and I mean, they, they're yeah. just totally clueless about such Absolutely. a large population in the United States that not only reads the Bible, but actually believes the Bible and understands it to inform our lives and that God wants us to live according to the teachings of Scripture. You know, Tony, one of the things you do on this program and in your life is that you pay a lot of attention to what the other side thinks. And indeed, even like you did just now, you know, you, you say, here, here's what they think. Here, here's why we need to understand how they think. 
you recognize that doesn't go on on the left. There, there aren't people on the left having a conversation like you and I are having saying, you know, those people, what do they really think? And how are there so many of them? And so, you know, they live in a world, you remember the old statement by Pauline Kael, uh, I think it was 1972. And she was the theater critic of the New York Times. And when Richard Nixon was reelected, by the way, the biggest landslide victory in American presidential history at the time, she said he can't have won the election. I don't know anyone who voted for Richard Nixon. Well, that says nothing about Richard Nixon, says everything about Pauline Kael. And in this case, this doesn't say anything about uh, the Speaker of the House. It says everything about Jen Psaki or, for that matter, Jennifer Rubin. Uh, They just don't understand and they don't want to acknowledge that there are you know, millions upon millions of Americans who think Mike Johnson is speaking absolute truth and making absolute sense. Well, and I think part of it is, a, you know, for Christians, it's very easy. And then we, we've talked about this on the program quite often. If you actually believe the Bible, the Bible tells you, mm-hmm. you know, how to, how to look at these issues, the issues we're facing today. So it's not really a struggle. And, and, and I've talked to and, and Mike would right. say the same thing. That's why he was making that comment on Hannity's show. You want to know how I believe? Just read the Bible. That's what I believe. Right. It's non-negotiable, and that's, I think, what the left, when, when you talk, talk about objective truth that does not change, they have a hard time with that because that is not what is being taught in our college campuses. It's not the prevailing right. worldview today. You know, uh, I think we share a mutual admiration for the thinker Thomas Sowell, and he makes the basic distinction between the two worldviews that war in our world today, and he says it's between the constrained worldview and the unconstrained worldview. The the worldview of the left is unconstrained. By the way, I don't think even he understood that eventually it would attempt to be unconstrained from biology, but that's Mm -hmm. that's where we are today with the transgender movement. But, you know, I think he's absolutely right. And and you're right pointing to Revelation because, you know, I'm speaking as a Christian, not just, you know, with reference to Thomas Sowell. I believe we are constrained. Our worldview is constrained by Scripture because it's established in God's eternal truth revealed in Scripture. And so, you know, you either see that as a bondage that is inflicted upon us, or you see this as God's gift so that we don't have to try to figure out it's what marriage freedom. is. God tells us what marriage is. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's freedom because we get to operate within the guardrails of life and don't have to worry about careening over the edge because we just walk in the truth. That's right. Uh, Dr. Moeller, before we run out of time, we just got a couple of minutes left. I, I, I want to turn yeah. to now the question of application how, as mm-hmm. Bible-believing Christians, do we deal with, A, this hostility toward authentic Christian faith in this country? And then, two, how should we be standing with the Jewish people today? Well, what, what good questions. I would say standing with the Jewish people means insisting on the truth and insisting on the right and responsibility of Israel to defend itself against a genocidal enemy. And we recognize, number one, the issue is our responsibility to the Jewish people, our responsibility to the state of Israel as an ally. And we as Christians look to Israel as far more than an ally. But we also understand that the attack upon Israel is an attack upon liberty. It's an attack upon a biblical understanding of, uh, of life. It's, it's an attack upon the entire civilization of which we are a part. So if there's any conceit that people think, you know, this is just about Israel and Hamas, well, you're lying to yourself. Uh, we have a direct stake in this. And, uh, you know, uh, the prime minister of Israel, when he speaks on behalf of Israel in this case and says this is a fight we must win, we need to recognize we're right there with him. This is a fight we must win. Without question. And this is about the existence of the state of Israel and the, the Jewish people. 
And as we approach, you know, the, the speaker, I, I would encourage people to be praying, not just for him, but what he yes. represents. And it's what we've been advocating for, Christians to step Absolutely. into the public arena. Yeah, and we need to make it very clear that, that we have a direct stake in this. I mean, the hatred towards uh, the Speaker of the House, uh, Speaker Johnson, it, it's, an, it's a hatred towards disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, Bible-believing Christians in our churches. Uh, it's good that we know what we're up against, and it's also good that we thank God we've got this Speaker of the House, and now it's our responsibility to stand with him. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Al Mohler, it's always great to have you on the program. It's, uh, I always look forward to our conversations. And by the way, congratulations on your 30th anniversary there at uh, Southern Seminary. Well, thank you, Tony. It's always an honor to be with you. And, uh, you know, we've been in this a long time. Let's, uh, let's stay in it as long as it's necessary. Well, I'm staying in the battle with you. As, as long as the Lord tarries, I will uh, be here. Until he comes back or calls me home, I'm here. Good to see you. God bless you. All right, folks, uh, before we wrap up for today, let me encourage you with that final note of Dr. Moeller praying for those in office. And in particular, we're praying for the speaker. And if you'd like to join with us in praying for Mike Johnson, text speaker to 67742. That's 67742, the word speaker. And you can sign the petition. I'm going to take it to him, let him know that there are tens of thousands of people all across this nation praying for him as he's being attacked for his faith. He is up there representing us. He's, he's standing in that arena. And I know that for a fact because I've walked with him on this journey. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words that the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.